Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm Shiloh. I'm Gabriel. And this is episode 42, World Building Culture, Part Part 1. Hey guys, Gabe's back. Yeah, I am. Back again. Um, sorry about last week that we didn't do an episode. We were like really busy and stuff, and yeah, it was hard for us to meet up and record. Just an um, unfortunate situation, so, yeah. oops. But we're back. And better than and ever. And back in business. <laughs> Baby, uh, this is not, this, I come. This is the <laughs> third episode mm-hmm. of in our, our world building yeah, series. Our world building series. Uh, we're going to be breaking down the world-building topic into several different subtopics and discussing them week by week. Not, well, month by month. <laughs> month by month, yeah. We're doing, we're doing a world-building episode every month. Uh, this week, we're going to be going over the topic of culture. Yeah, so we did physical world, we did history, now we're doing culture. Um, you, you may see that it's in part one. That's because <laughs> there's so much to talk about. I know that might sound surprising, because I'm thinking a lot of you are probably American, so <laughs> might be a bit of a confusing realization there, but uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot to go over on this topic. so much going, and we were thinking probably just two parts, it might be three. Yeah, we were looking at all the things. Yeah, there's a lot about. of things to talk about, but anyway, this is the first part of culture, we have so much to talk about. Once again, if you want to keep up to date with what we're doing here... Uh, on the podcast and other stuff we're doing at D20 Academy. That's cool. Uh, follow us on Instagram at D20 underscore Academy. And plug? yes, we do have a Discord. Yes, we are not active on it currently. Uh, we do have ideas for the future. We don't know when things are going to come into play because we both have busy schedules and things are moving around constantly. But we are going to try and set some things up for the Discord when we do have more time. So if you do want to get into our Discord now, even before we start doing all the cool things we have planned, uh, hit us up on Instagram, the DM asking to get in, or we do have a link hidden on our anchor page. It might be a little bit hard to find. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere on there. Um, but yeah, it, also that's the easiest way if you want to get in touch with us, ask us questions, give any comments, concerns you have, suggestions for episodes, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The Discord server uh, would probably be the best place for that Yes. as well. Also, talking with other people, um, who also like the podcast and, and, and stuff are in there as well. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right. World building. Mm-hmm. We're back again. Uh, so like Gabe mentioned, in these world building episodes, we break down the main topic, which is culture, into smaller subtopics, and then we discuss each of those. Yeah, we're putting the Legos into Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, world building as... We all know it's a long, detailed, and tedious process. Why do I say process and not process? Process. It's like the one word in my language, <laughs> which I say with an accent. So we also want you, uh, we want to make this as digestible as possible. Um, letting you guys know like what you should prioritize when you're world building all this stuff. Um, because so much goes into it, mm-hmm. right, uh, into world building. So, so are, part of yeah. the process is going through lists of questions that help you give answers to parts of your world, give answers to the questions of your world to help make it more fleshed out and more real. So that's a lot of what we're going to be doing here today and throughout the rest of the series. Our subtopics today, in order, are general culture, you know, the general things about culture, things that describe it, the philosophy of the culture, or philosophies, religions, language, leadership, and human rights. Yeah. Uh... Human rights, of course, is a 
lenient term because in your world, you don't just have humans. Yes. <laughs> if you're assuming you're building some sort of fantasy world, you might just... Elf. Being right. Elf right. <laughs> um, but anywho, yeah. So that's what we're, we're going over. So let's just... Go, we, we have so much to talk about we do. today. So let's just... Let's just get let's right just into get the into news. Yeah. Uh, so general culture. I'm um, just real quick. So culture, obviously, we're talking about how there's so much into it. Mm. What kind of is, like, culture, like, defined for you? Mm. Culture is how you can distill a group of people, a group of connected people. What are their distilled like attributes? Like what binds them all together and makes them a group of people who work together? What are the things that they generally, universally uh, believe in, do, think about? And what are the rules that they follow as a group of people that kind of make them a culture? Like, what do they generally love? What do they hate? The things that you can bind people together with. Yeah, I think, because um, in my mind, there's two sides of world building. There's the parts of the world that are, like, intrinsic to the world. The world if no people live there. And then there is the world with people in it. So, like, the physical world, mountains, valleys, the creation of the world, the gods, all that kind of stuff, that is all physical world stuff, kind of what we've talked about already. And then the other side is all the things that have to do with people, society, culture, anything that is that is uh, people, I can't say humans because we're talking about fantasy world, <laughs> uh, but people, uh, you know, influence, mm-hmm. um, architecture. Customs, food, all that kind of stuff. That's all it has to do. That's all in culture, in my mind. Um, and of course, there are so many <laughs> things that fit into that, mm-hmm. which is why our culture uh, is going to take multiple parts in these world building episodes because there's there's so much to talk about. Um, yes, and as always, not all of these questions we're going to be asking, all of these things we're going to be over might be. They might not all be important for the culture that you're trying to build, the specific culture you're trying to build. They're just general things that most cultures have that help define a culture. That being said, the things we're going to be talking about today are pretty much universally there throughout all cultures. The ones we're talking, the the subtopics that we chose today are kind of more of the foundational cultural things. Yes. Um, On the second or possibly third part, we're going to get into more detailed cultural things. Like, uh, the way people greet each other and mm. fashion and, like, more things like this. But th- the stuff we're talking about more is more general foundational cultural things. Um, I should also say, this is going to take, like, this episode's probably going to take about an hour. Yeah. I'm assuming. Then the next one's probably going to take about an hour. All, like, in total, culture is going to take a- hours. We're going to talk about culture and pose these questions and stuff. Mm. The thing is, we're talking, like, as if it's, like, one culture. <laughs> But you may have to, for your world, most likely, design multiple different cultures. Go through all of these points with all these different cultures. So, while we're talking about these things, you want to be thinking about, and we'll also help out, what is just the most important things? Mm. You know, without getting into too detailed, you know, what do you, what should you just get down? Because if you're making even just like four cultures, different cultures for your world, mm. four different groups of people, um, then... That's, and then going through for each of them, their philosophy, their religion, their fashion, their food, all that stuff. Um, you know, what should you just kind of 
what's important that you should get down and what do you not need to because that's so much work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So general culture stuff. Question we have here is how is culture preserved in your world? That's like, I, I think that's super, um, that's like one of the foundational things that have to do with culture, um, which also kind of has to do with politics a little bit, which is like traditionalists versus progressives, mm, yeah. um, um, conservatives in the sense that someone who's trying to conserve something, um, liberals in the sense that a group of people who's trying to liberate from things, also in the sense of like kind of progress. Um, that kind of thing is very um, intrinsic to like humans. Yes. And, cul- and society. Um <laughs> And I think culture... And elves, too. And elves. <laughs> well, yeah. So maybe. We're, we're, maybe. <laughs> we're going to say human a lot. We always... We're yeah, referring, referring to yeah, yeah. beings, Be- people. people. People, in, yeah, in your world. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, how is culture preserved? Tradition, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, pro- what does it yeah. progress and evolve? There's also going to be like a power balance there in culture. There's always going to be like traditionalists. And there's always going to be people who are trying to like fight against the grain a little bit. And, mm-hmm be a bit more progressive. So you're going to have to figure out, like, the power balance between those two sides and what is, like, the main side. What do most people side with? Are most people, like, trying to adapt their culture to new times mm. or to new information or something sure. like that? Or is the vast majority of the culture following old traditions and following things that they've mm. known and grown up with, you know? Also tied to that, other than just, like, progress mm. in general, mm. you know, as new technology or whatever happens across the world... Other cultures are trying to adapt and also evolve and progress along with that. Mm-hmm. But also, and I think this is pretty important for more like ancient world stuff, um, when, when in reference to Earth's history, uh, like when you were invaded by another nation and stuff, how do those cultures clash with mm. the invading nation? What is preserved? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, ties into what we talked about, about war in the last world building episode. Um, about history. We talked about war and like invading mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, culture is very tied into that. Um, and even if you see it in Earth today, right, certain, uh, I think, like, Central America is a really good example. Um, obviously, Spanish is the language there, and Spanish is not the, was not the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, native yeah. language to that area, because they were taken over by the Spaniards. Yes. A long time ago. So, like, you know, that, that kind of thing, and then how does it, um, connect to today's world, all that kind mm. of stuff. I got you, I got you. Yeah, I'm playing around with, like, this question specifically with some of the cultures that I'm building for a book that I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And, like, how is this culture preserved? And I'm building, like, this one, like, really traditionalistic culture that's all about preserving through, like, their song and preserving all that they've known, despite the fact that they've been surrounded by an enemy nation and all Mm. the things like that and how it factors into their everyday lives of trying to preserve what they have Mm. as a culture. Mm. Okay, yeah, other just big main questions. Uh, This is, I I think this one right here is a really important question. What are some things that define each culture? And if you're someone who is designing multiple cultures for Mm. your world, this is, you know, how are you just going to, in your mind, just to help you, how are you just making these things separate? Yeah, I think this is also a good starting point for the rest of these questions about culture. If you have an idea for a culture, Mm. what is that base idea? Get that down and think of like, okay, this is my idea concept, this factors into this part, how does it affect the rest of the parts of the culture? Um, I think also, uh, this ties into what we were talking about last episode, uh, I don't know if it was last episode, maybe it was the episode before that, about like races in mm. your world, elves and all that kind of stuff, and we were talking about like, in D&D, 
halflings and gnomes. The difference there is just not really well defined or, you know, a lot of people are confused about the difference between halflings and gnomes and stuff. Um, and you don't want your cultures to be like that. I mean, I mean, it depends. <laughs> if you found like a like ton of cultures, realistic and things are, you know, like in yeah. Earth, how things Mel, uh, build off yeah. each other. Yeah, but like, that's fine. But I mean, like, if I'm building Fancy World and I'm like, I want the elf culture to feel really different from the dwarvish culture. Uh-huh. And how, how is that defined? You know, why, why does that really stand out? Mm-hmm. Or even how does the high elf culture differ from the dark elf culture? And if I can make that really defined and each of those have an obvious like concept that defines them, that's easier for you when building it and your audience, yes. whether it be the players or the readers, depending on, or the viewers, depending mm-hmm. on what you're, what you're working on. I would say, unless you have a specific reason for these different cultures to be so similar, make them different. Is that make them visually and base characteristics different different from each other. So it's just easier for your players or readers to understand and differentiate between the two. Now, so you have a specific reason for them to be similar. Mm-hmm. It's just easier for world building in the minds of your readers or people experiencing the world to have things that blatantly make the cultures different. Um, another question I have here is, what would a person from a certain city, region, or country be proudest of? Um, but I, that just kind of sparks in me just an, uh, a bigger topic of just kind of like nationalism. That's a weird thing, because nationalism like, didn't always exist. Because, um, you know, like if, if you're like a region in China, mm. um, before China became a nation... The pe- if the people in northern China were being invaded, the people in southern China didn't care. Yeah. Because they didn't connect with them. Um, they didn't identify with them. They were just two groups of people living in two different locations, happened to be in the same regional boundary, which would become China. But once it became unified under one kingdom, became China, now, everybody, now everyone's fates are tied together within that nation, and that's where nationalism comes from and stuff. Mm. So depending on the kind of world you're building, like how... Per- technology and all that kind of stuff is um if it's more of an older ancient world there may not be really national there may not be like nations mm. or empires per se uh, rather just groups of people yeah um i i mean, culture can still you know within the example i gave those people probably still have similar culture but you know that's still there's still also that question of like nationalism and being unified with, under one kind of thing mm-hmm. um and I think that has to do with what would you be proud of from your place, or yeah, that. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's how I, mean... I know this is gonna take a long time. That was our first topic, and that <laughs> had two bullet points. <laughs> the rest of them have way more than that. <laughs> okay. Next one. Maybe All right. right. Philosophy. Right off the bat, I want to start out with like a brief definition of what we're saying philosophy is in this context. So we're talking about philosophy, we're talking about a theory or attitude held by a person or organization that acts as a guiding principle for behavior. Mm-hmm. What are the general philosophies of your culture? Mm-hmm. What are some examples of this? Um, so the first one, uh, <laughs> okay, so we had like jotted down a ton of different ideas for things about culture, and we, we wrote down philosophy, and I was thinking like... <laughs> He was thinking this, which makes more sense. I was thinking, like, philosophy as in, like, <laughs> what is, like, the philosophy, like, they come up with, like, Aristotle, Plato, like, they're <laughs> philosophers. 
and stuff, which is also a thing to yes. think about. Yeah. That has to do with your world. Um, the kind of philosophies they believe in stuff. Um, though that's not as important as that. I think this makes more sense. Anyway, when he explained this to me, this, this kind of philosophy, the culture's philosophy, um, the first thing I thought of was Manifest Destiny for the United States. Mm. The philosophy held by the uh, U.S. Uh, I can't, I'm not a historian. I don't know exactly what times. But this is when the Western expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of the the intrinsic destiny within the United States to get, get more land, you know, yeah. to, to expand. Um, and you were also talking about... Uh, like South Korea. Yeah. A lot of people don't necessarily care, but I don't know about South Korea. So, South Korea has this kind of philosophy around... We love South Korea, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> around progress and the pursuit of perfection. I was trying to uh, devote themselves to what they're doing and achieve like the highest degree possible in it. So, it's just like, trying to give you general ideas of what general philosophies mm-hmm. are. Perhaps your culture that you have in mind is... Really, perhaps their philosophy is care about those around you above all else. So mm-hmm. the culture itself gets, you know, sectioned in, into smaller parts. Or perhaps mm-hmm. the philosophy is, you know, being the good Samaritan to everyone, you know? Or uh, just also, like being like, as open and welcoming as possible. What that reminds me of is actually kind of Hawaiian mm. yeah. culture and philosophy. So we live in Hawaii. Um, we love it here, and one of the main things that kind of separates this definitely from the mainland is the philosophy, the kind of culture of aloha and everyone, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's about who you know, it's about family, everyone calls each other uncle, auntie, all that kind of stuff, um, which is quite different from, like, mainland culture. Yeah. Um, but that that has to do with, um, can, can we talk about, like, family and, like, who you know in Hawaii? It doesn't matter the credentials you have. Oh, and that, that's uh, wrong to say, but um, it like it matters like who you know and your connections and like that's a that's a very mm. rather than like your credentials or your resume. I would say from from my experience of what I've seen, like um, culturally, yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. So so just stuff like that. The general like philosophy, what general you know ideas and stuff that kind of permeates in your culture. And I think this is one of the main things that you can base the culture off of, like how we're talking about yeah. what defines the culture. Mm-hmm. What's the kind of like the standout things that you're basing everything else off of? This philosophy kind of thing, I think, really defines that. Um, yeah. So for the book I'm working on, and we're both working on uh, books right now, um, ha- the world is based very much on wealth. Uh, the philosophy is held that like the more wealth you have, the more powerful you are. So the hierarchies of everything and stuff has to do with wealth. Mm. Um, so merchants are the the richest and the rulers of cities rather than like people with like noble blood or whatever. That doesn't matter as long as you, you're you wealthy. So there's it's, there's lots of criminals and stuff because, um, and that's good because it's a heist book, uh, because of like <laughs> wealth and stuff. But this very capitalist wealth-based uh, um, kind of hierarchy is a philosophy within the world that I'm mm. building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the cultures that I'm building is really based around obtaining all knowledge. This this philosophy is that to achieve enlightenment and self-perfection, we must try and know everything that we can. 
So the way that they achieve that, the way that they pursue that philosophy is by taking over everything that they can and mm -hmm. gaining access to all that knowledge and condensing it and compiling it all into one place so that they can study it and try and know everything. Mm -hmm. And there's reasons for that behind the scenes. Right. I think uh, for you and your story, like, Flash you matters a lot because yes. your story has to do with looking at a, uh, a couple different cultures and I... I uh, Systems of ideas and, and religious values ideologies. and stuff. Ideologies. <laughs> um, and stuff like that, right? That's kind of like a big part of your story. Yes, So I is. think philosophy kind of matters a lot to, um, to what you're talking about. Uh, is there anything else we should say on this? Because we got some fatties coming up. We got some... We do. <laughs> Just because we didn't spend necessarily a lot of time on this one doesn't mean it's important. It's a really important thing, and uh -huh. it's especially nice to have that down before you go into the rest of your culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're pulling from classic fantasy tropes, the philosophies are there. Yes. If you look at elves, uh, I mean, totally depends on, like, what you're looking at. But kind of classic or fantasy elves um, are, like, magic and art, usually. Mm -hmm. um, uh, have to, a lot to do with the philosophy. Um, also, because in most worlds, they live, like, a long time, so they can perfect themselves to, a, to art and music and all that stuff. If you look at, like, Tolkien elves and, like, um, Pathfinder elves... Um, and like for dwarves, it's like craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of the philosophy and like classical dwarven culture. Yeah. Um, you know, smithing and all that kind of stuff. Um, also their culture is very clan familial based. So they're, um, they, they are hard to trust outsiders, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Also has to do with the philosophy. Okay. Next one. This is the big boy. This is, the, <laughs> this is probably the biggest one we're talking about. Religion. Yes. Worldview. Um, okay. So here's why this is such an interesting thing. Definitely when it comes to building fictional fantasy worlds. Fantasy worlds specifically. Mm. It comes down to the question of ambiguous religion. And and we didn't have a word. We couldn't think of a better way to call this off the top of our heads. Greek slash forgotten realms religion. <laughs> okay, so here's what we mean by this. Um... Ambiguous religion is Earth. So that's, there are multiple different religions who believe different things in different gods. Mm. And technically, uh, there, there's nothing, there's no, like, one true religion. There's no, like, everyone agrees yeah. this is the god. Yeah. yeah. Right? Versus Greek mythology, which a, bit, a lot of fantasy world mm -hmm. religion, which is... An established like pantheon of gods, yeah. like we uh, they believe that everyone believes that they exist. They might like worship them in different ways necessarily, worship different ones, but they've established gods. They all believe that they exist. Yeah. Perhaps they're like influencing the world. Yeah. Like everyone knows yeah. gods exist. They're real. Um so like in in a world based on like In a world. That's very similar to like Greek Greece or whatever. You know, Zeus and stuff. Like, if you look at Greek mythology and stuff, Zeus and Hermit, they're always, like, interacting, coming down to Earth, mm -hmm. pulling this, like, demigods exist, monsters, you know, all that kind of stuff exists. It's, like, in that world, in the Greek mythological world, everyone would be like, yes, obviously the gods exist. They're real. We see them. Yeah. We know they exist. Um, also, like, in the Forgotten Realms, um, which is, like, the classic 5th uh, yeah. edition D&D world, um, it's very much like, the gods exist, Obviously, they influence the world in obvious ways. They make themselves known. So there's that world, which I would say most fantasy worlds fall under. Fall yeah. Under. Okay. 
Most high fantasy worlds fall under. Yes. Um, actually, now that I'm reading so much more genre fiction and like fantasy, actually, a lot of more are on this other end. Mm. Um, okay, then there's ambiguous religion, right? Which there are, could be many different religions, um, all believing different things. Yeah. Um, so you have to figure that out for your world. Yes. What do you like? Or what are like the strengths and weaknesses of both when it comes to like mm. world building and... Ambiguous religions give you more freedom to just come up with like whatever you want to for religions. You could have like, okay, I want to have this religion that believes that there is a god who makes their manure fertile, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. You, you have like more freedom in how many you can create and how many cultures you can base up around these religions and mm -hmm. stuff. Whereas with a more out there and apparent, this is these are the gods that exist, or this is the god that mm. exists, you're more railroading yourself with what you can do with those religions. You think like, okay, these are the established gods. There's this mm. many of them. This one does this, this one does this, mm. this one does this. The weakness is that Oh, you don't necessarily have as many, as much freedom to do whatever you want with the gods and do whatever you want with the mm -hmm. religions. But by defining the gods more mm -hmm. and having them more out there, it can be easier to build up things for those specific gods. Yeah, you know? for sure. If you have the defined 12 gods, perhaps. This is the god of life. This is the yeah. god of death. This is the god of light. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't I like both. And I think it really depends on the kind of story you're trying to tell and the mm -hmm. world you have. Uh, once again, in more of like a high fantasy thing, if you're like playing a D&D &D campaign, the for Greek Forgotten Realms got like that just works mm -hmm. really well. You know, clerics devote themselves to a particular god, they gain powers from that god. Um, and then you can like, ha I love Greek mythology, I love how the gods are like interacting with the world and pulling the strings. Like, I love that so much. Like the Odyssey, uh, the Iliad, both those, um, I read them last year, um, I, I'm not actually a nerd. I had to for school, but um, <laughs> no. But like, I, I really loved how they, you know, would be influencing the world in certain ways and like pulling the straight. Like, I just love that. Mm -hmm. And just the high fantasy thing of like devoting yourself to a god. When it comes to character creation, you choose that kind of character and being able to like choose what kind of god you want. I think that's really cool. I really like that a lot. Yeah, I really agree that I think it fits high fantasy because it fits like kind of like the theme of high fantasy of the magic in the world is out there and, and accessible. Mm -hmm and powerful and all of that is like it's, it's up front the magic is up front mm -hmm. and like having the gods up front as well is like oh of course like oh the magic is so apparent and widespread mm -hmm. the gods are so powerful yeah. and visible and widespread mm -hmm. the um, power you know yeah i was gonna say like it, it helps um you know when they say like oh just go get like this character is a follower of this god like mm -hmm. everyone can like understands like the kind of Powers they might have or like their yeah stuff like that. Okay, when it comes to like more ambiguous religion, that definitely works um, for deeper stories. I think grimdark works works better in like kind of grimdark things where you don't like supernatural um, stuff isn't as prevalent mm. in your world. Um, for example, the world I'm building for my story, my book. Um, has ambiguous religion. 
there is one main religion uh, that is like spread throughout the world, but it's not like fully proven. The gods that they talk about don't like show themselves. Like mm. it's not really, you can't really you know say that like that's real and stuff. And it works for kind of the criminal. Also, uh, one of the characters' whole arcs has to do with religion, and they're figuring out what they believe and their morality, and can they believe in a religion but deny the church and all this kind of stuff. Um, so that fits well with that, and I just I I like those deep things presenting those kinds of themes about morality and belief and ideologies uh, and theology. I really like that. Uh, Brandon Sanderson has that in a lot of his stories, and I really, really like it. Um, exploring those religion things. Uh, in his first book, he published Elantris. Um, it's really cool because the whole story takes place in one city, but they talk a lot about international things and the other countries and stuff, and characters from these other nations are coming to this city. And kind of the th events that happen in this one city affect the rest of the world, basically. Mm -hmm. But... A lot of what's going on has to do with religion. What this nation is trying to... Like, religion is one of the most powerful tools one of these nations has to taking over other... When they convert a whole a whole other nation, they it's so much easier for them to conquer it. And, you know, like... So not only is this religion super tied into politics in that world, just they talk about the different belief systems of the different religions and stuff, and I just... It's, I love it. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I love that. I, I, I like both. Yeah. It, it, it totally depends. Um, on what kind of world you're building. Alright, next. Are there atheists in your world? People who either deny the existence or deny to worship the gods mm -hmm. or God or whatever. Powerful beings. Yeah. Are there people who resist the general flow of culture? Is that the general flow of culture? To deny worshipping the gods or to deny the existence of gods? How does that exist in your world? What is it like? Is it like Earth where there's you know, so many different religions, it's really ambiguous, and the atheists are kind of like, I just don't want to be a part of that, or I don't believe in any specific yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I don't believe in it. Or is it like, I know these gods exist, but I don't agree with anything that they say, or, or anything that they stand for. Mm -hmm. I right. work against the gods, yeah. or I deny, you know, like, fate. And stuff. Yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, like, in, in the world where, like, Greeks are, I mean... Not Greeks. <laughs> like like a Greek myth mythological world where the gods are obvious. Mm -hmm. They're there. Um, an atheist is more someone, yeah, who you were saying, just like denies the gods. Mm -hmm. They don't want to worship them or like whatever. Um, whereas in an ambiguous thing, it's someone who say, I don't believe in any. Of course, if you want to get really deep and theological about it and stuff, in a way they do have to believe in something as well. Um, and I don't want to get into it, but <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I find it super interesting and stuff, but like, yeah. Okay, so once you figure out if it's ambiguous or this other kind, which you don't have a name for, <laughs> pantheon religion. Um, we have all this. Pantheon. Yeah, I, don't, I can't even, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have some questions. One, how do people worship in your world? This can either be really simple, really complicated, really normal, or really weird, mm -hmm. depending on how you want to do it. You could have people worship just by... You know, traditional things that you think about when people worship in our earth. You can have them like, oh, they pray. They kneel down and say things to their god. Yeah. They, they abstain sing. from this from, yeah. from their god. They fast. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. 
Or perhaps it's like, these people cut off their limbs for the god and offer it up on a brazen yeah. of fire, you know? Yeah. Or it could be, they perform some sort of dance to please their god, or they mm -hmm. do this task, pursue this objective. Mm. Like Luan I was talking about earlier, they're pursuing their objective of obtaining all knowledge because they believe that the god of knowledge has tasked them, that nation, those people, mm. with finding all the knowledge and pursuing him. Mm -hmm. And it's just so cool how, like, all the things we're talking about are, like, melding together. Religion and philosophy. Same thing if we look back in history with, like, the Crusades and stuff, right? Mm. The religion influenced the philosophy of that part of the world. And similar to your thing, they're trying to conquer the world to gain a lot of the same kind of thing. When and where do people worship? Yes. This is also something that you can draw from our normal natural world yeah. for... Some people worship in synagogues, mosques, churches, and morgues. <laughs> <laughs> mosques. That's the but, word I was looking hey, for. Maybe that's super sick. Maybe. What if you? What if your fantasy religion worships in morgues? It could have something to do with like death and stuff. Like that's mm -hmm. dope. Perhaps they worship in people's homes or in hiding because they're being persecuted. You know, like or do they yeah. walk out on the streets singing praises yeah. to their yeah. gods all day long? Also. Not just where, but when, mm -hmm. also. Like, is there a particular time or whatever, day in the year, anything? Mm. I don't know if we have something, yeah, like you're saying, like, I don't know if we had it written down specifically there, but, like, is there, like, a holy day yeah. of, like, the week or month or time period? Yeah. Is there a special day in the year where, like, they devote that day to their mm -hmm. god or something like that? Yeah, Christianity is, is a really good example because we have Christmas mm -hmm. and Easter, right? These are, like, you know, holidays that have to do with the religion. Yes. And then we also, so those are like single days, and then we have like periods, um, like Lent. Uh, is that religious? I'm not actually sure if that's religious. I think it's something... Not Lent. I, I, I don't think I meant to say that. Uh, the, the fasting. You know, like, uh, at the beginning of the year, like fasting. It, it came from... I'm pretty sure Lent comes yeah, from... Yeah, it comes from... Catholicism, Catholicism or something, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway... Uh, but just, you know, like, because it's sort of like periods of time of like when they're fasting. Mm -hmm. Or like, if you look at Islam, um, kind of pilgrimages um, to like Mecca and stuff. Uh, I'm not a, I don't know a lot about uh, religions. <laughs> mm. um, so I don't want to say anything <laughs> that's like, like wrong. Like the thing but... is like, they always pray towards... Towards Mecca. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who are the major and minor gods that people worship? Mm -hmm. um, is it a, you know... I can't... The that thing. one. Is it... Is it what's what it called? <laughs> uh, when there's... Multiple gods or one god. Why can't I think of it? Polytheism. Polytheism, monotheism. monotheism. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so figure that out. And then are there, like, major gods, minor gods? Yes. Are they on, like, different power levels? Are they on different, like, levels of specificity? Perhaps, like, you know, I think, like, Roman pantheon, where there's, like, the main pantheon. There's, like, so many other smaller minor gods. Yeah. There's, like, yeah. about, like, really specific things. It's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, for the world that we put our first D&D campaign in, that's what, there was, like, this big, there's a main six major gods, and then, like, a gazillion minor gods that I made for no reason, I hate myself, no, um, uh, I only remember one of them was the guy who had the undead army, or the, the army of dead soldiers. Yes, Scar, no, Skag, or something. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a really important question. What function do the gods serve in society? Mm. Now, this has to do with both kinds of religion. If you're, if you're looking at Greek mythological world, yeah. what literally do the gods serve in society? 
how did, like, you know, like, literally, because they could influence the world and come down into the world. Yeah. Or their children, the demigods, influence the world for them. Whatever. And then, in the more... Uh, ambiguous. Ambiguous sense. How do, does religion... And what these gods command or say mm. in the teachings... What function does that serve in the culture? Yes, we've seen this in our natural history countless times. Right. Where religion influences culture and defines laws, sets rules and regulations for people because of the main religion of that time or the main religion of that place commands so. Perhaps, like, there's a command for, you know, everyone to fast, like, one day a week, and that's, like, implemented into law... Mm-hmm. by the people who worship that god or something like, like that. And I think uh, what you were saying earlier about like Lent is something that started off as a religious tradition and transition, transitioned into just a more cultural thing that abstaining from something for a period of time. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, okay, also, next one, and I'm going to expand on this. It, what, if any, holy texts exist, mm. okay? But I'm going to challenge you guys. Yes, you can have that, fine. Cool. Go outside the box. How else does religion impact the world or, like, a code of laws or whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever, other than just books, books. or scrolls? Mm. I, I challenge you guys, if you're going more ambiguous, because this really only kind of works for ambiguous religion, I mean, I kind of just work for the other one. Yeah. But, like, you, the gods might as well just come down and just tell you. Um, but, I mean, there are, like, tenets. Yeah, yeah. I know, but I guess there are, like, tenets for the yeah. Church of Saren Ray or whatever. Um, but, you know, for more ambiguous religion, like, all you have are texts mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but I want... I'm going to challenge the listeners, if you're doing world building, um, what other ways, other than the written word... Can these same things come up, like get get across? First thing that comes to mind would be like art, you know, mm. like perhaps the rules are expressed through paintings that the god had commissioned their followers mm-hmm. to do, or perhaps it's in a monument that they built oh. or something like that. Dude, I just thought of the craziest thing. Okay, so what if in more of an ambiguous religion world, yeah. or whatever, the guy, the prophet, the guy who started it, had a vision from his god. Mm-hmm. And who, like, controlled his hand and he painted the end of the world. And that's, that painting, mm. depicting the end of the world, is, like, the Bible of the religion. It, ex- it, it is the thing. And uh, the art, that's really cool. I haven't thought of that. that that's really cool. The only thing I was thinking of was, like, dancing. Perhaps, like, what you were saying, mm. like, the guy, like, took control of, like, the original prophet and, like, orchestrated, like, this, this dance that people are interpreting in different ways. And it's, like, yeah. oh, that's so spread cool. down, like, yeah. through, like... And I also, I, it, I also you know? love that, same with the real world thing, when it comes to translation. You know, with, this, with this art piece, or whatever, mm-hmm. ha- has it been changed or altered throughout history within different denominations? Yeah, yeah. Is it depicted differently? This dance, this art, whatever it is? Yeah, have there been parts like cut out or added? Ex- for- exactly. That, oh, that's juicy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so not just holy text, yeah. but in this sense of, what holy texts serve as their purpose in a religion, that kind of thing. Wh- it's so cool. It's, it's so flavorful, yeah. too. Mm, it's so flavorful. Love that. Like, imagine how cooler, like, the Book of Mormon would be. 
if it was just like a dance instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that would work perfectly for the musical because mm. we just do the dance. Perfect. Because it's in a musical number. Mm. Um, okay, and then uh, how well known are the scriptures or whatever it is. Yes. Uh, the tenets, the painting, the dance. Would people of all ages be able to recite them on the spot if asked? Things like yeah. that. And that factors a lot into how integrated is your religion with your culture, you know? Mm-hmm. And, of course, how accessible it is. But, like, perhaps if religion isn't very integrated necessarily with the everyday lives of a culture, they mm-hmm. might not necessarily, like, know like, all the tenets off the top of their head. Perhaps, yeah. it, But perhaps it's, like, you know, Judaism or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the year of Christ, yeah. you know? And you're thinking, like, oh, all these Pharisees, like, can recite the books off the top yeah. of their head, you know, they've been memorizing it. Yeah. It's so integrated into them and their lives. If we take Christianity as, as an example, uh, maybe one person on earth can recite the Bible, the whole <laughs> the Bible. Um, 99% of Christians can probably recite John 3.16. Yes. Some sort of translation from it. Or the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 John 3.16 in particular, because that is a major piece mm-hmm. of the belief system. Mm-hmm. It defines... Yeah, it's a, one of the pillars of... Pillars of the belief system mm-hmm. of Christianity. So, um, you know, that's why it's really well known. Other than just, like, you know... Oh, judges. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Who are the important religious figures in the world? For what reasons are they significant? Mm. Like the Pope. Yes. Is there a Pope in your world? Is there an original prophet? Yeah. Perhaps the Muhammad exists in yeah, your world. The Jesus. So like, yeah. Yeah. Or it could just be like, hmm, what if it was like an elected official? I wonder if like the religion, like, like the Pope. Sure. Elected official, like, I'm just thinking about politics and religion, sorry. <laughs> I mean, getting distracted there's here. So many, there's so many things, yeah. But important religious figures in history, mm-hmm. like Jesus and the prophet and stuff like that. Or like, nowadays, the leaders of the church, the missionaries, mm-hmm. things like that. There's so much you can go with. Something like, perhaps there's like multiple leaders who all dem- all say that they're the right one. Yeah. So I was thinking about wasn't there like three popes at one? No, there's like a pope, an anti-pope, and an anti-anti-pope at oh, one time. I have no idea. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Yes. Uh, um, religion is just there's so much you can do with it. It is so, uh, like it just for humanity mm-hmm. and history. It's just one of those just base foundational things that have always been there. Um, just belief. You know, faith has just always been a part of humanity and stuff. And so we just, there's so much to pull from from Earth, and it's just so interesting to think about if you want to go super deep as well. Yeah. Um, also, religion is a great, that one thing that helps define that culture, as we were talking about. You know, what's the thing that separates it, that makes it unique? Mm-hmm. A particular religion or following a particular god really helps in, in solidifying a culture and making it unique. Also, just a couple more things I want to tag on here at the end that I think are important before we move on. Like, how devoted is the average person to their religion? Mm-hmm. Like, how steadfast are they in their belief system? How is the religion exploited? How do people exploit their connections with religion and their beliefs, you know? Mm-hmm. What are the loopholes in it? Mm-hmm. Just more things to think about there at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this is such a big topic, and there's deep you can go. Honestly, just, like, research... Like religion and stuff. Yeah. There's so much interesting things you you can find. Uh, okay. Oh, this is really important. 
for the language. Future world. Language. Language. <laughs> Linguini. Okay, main question. How many languages exist in your world? <laughs> and... <laughs> okay, so some of these questions we're taking off of uh, a world-building like, template prompt thing that we found. Mm-hmm. I can't cite it right now. I, I don't recall what it's from. I Oof. should probably. Um, it's Yeah, it's like a mix and mash of like our own questions, other questions we found yeah. from other places. <laughs> but when I got to the language section on this template, this prompt template for helping you world-build, it was, how many languages exist in your world? How did they originate? Okay. You don't have to care about how they originate. I mean, it's... Like, don't make it super illogical. But also, we're not all etymologists. Yeah. We, I couldn't tell you how languages originate. That's, like, super... That's very deep. Um, and you know, if you care about that and that's something you you love a lot, by all means, it will really it would really enhance your world. And that could be something that really makes your world really cool. Yeah. The fact that you spent time on that and stuff. But also, <laughs> I don't know how freaking languages originate. Uh, but no, the most important thing is, like, how many languages exist in your world? Yeah. How many are there? And we're not gonna, I, we, we're not gonna get super deep into, like, dialects and stuff. Because you, for your first world go-through, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't be going into, like... And if, like, you're someone who does care about that, there's better resources than us out there to figure out how oh. to design a language. No, <laughs> uh, that, Tolkien. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If if you really want to care about language and look, at, Tolkien is the yeah perfect example. He built a language from scratch, a fancy language from scratch. It tied into the culture of the elves that he was building. It, it, there's a dialects of it. Uh, what a what a man. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Grandfather Tolkien is the <laughs> best. Um, but yeah, language is super important. Has to, there's in like classic fantasy, it's like elvish, mm-hmm. dwarvish. But you could be go more realistic, which comes from like regional mm-hmm. places or um, yeah. And then like, is there like a common language in your world? Like, is there one language that is pretty much universally spoken? It's very general and widespread. A lot of people know it. In D and D, it's called common. Mm-hmm. It's very common. That's why it's called common. common. In Star mm-hmm. Wars, it's called basic. basic. <laughs> Because it's the basic language. Uh, <laughs> and on Earth, it's called math. Right? <laughs> right, so English would be the example. Yes. English is... Even though it's not the most spoken, spoken word, but it's the most like widespread. Inter- it's an international language. Yes. yes. Other than art. No, other than math. Um, <laughs> other than yeah. music. Is there a universal language, right? Um, okay. This factors into like communicating between different... Nations, different peoples. Yeah. It can be an important thing to establish that there is mm-hmm. a general common language. Yes. Uh, okay. How do the names differ in each region? Mm. Okay. So for language is interesting. I don't have a ton of experience really working on languages and stuff. I've never like tried to design my own language or anything because I'm just I don't know any. I, I you know I literally only know English. I've like taken Spanish and Japanese, but like I barely. I tried to make one once. I was like ten. Yeah, it's like impossible. <laughs> it's like impossible, um, because there's so many things that you know go into it. And if you're not someone who really studies about that and loves yeah. it, don't worry. Don't, um, we're not saying make a language from scratch. Um, we are saying is whatever language you're writing in, I assume you're going to be writing in English, mm. or if you're Including, writing a book, yeah. Um, or if you're playing, I assume your play group speaks English, um, since this is an English podcast. But um, just. 
that's like the basic language in your world or whatever. And then you can have terms and things, words you create for the other languages without detailing a whole language. But for me, in my fantasy worlds and things I've written and stuff, when I'm basing a, just a language for like names or for, you know, titles of mm-hmm. places, mm-hmm. I, I, I pull from real world things. Yeah. I go, what is the, the culture that, that, I'm, that I'm doing the language for? What am I kind of basing it off of? What are they kind of similar to? And I look at that language, the prefixes and suffixes of that language and stuff, and like try to figure out what that is. Um, so for our first campaign, the evil big race was the Zenthari, and they were based on the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. So their names and everything was very based on Yeah, and they're Egyptian. purple. <laughs> they're not purple. Um, but like the characters' names were like Mofdet, Neftis, mm-hmm. those are the names of the characters, which is very Egyptian. Yeah. One thing that we tried to do for a world that we started to make and that you are now trying to complete is that we were like trying to mix and match suffixes and prefixes of straight different, different language. languages from Earth. Yeah. Which is a great idea to try and take things like, okay, like, I like the idea, I like this sound from this language mm-hmm. and that kind of like phrasing of a word, you know? Mm-hmm. Trying to like mix and match yeah. and create your own unique names and titles yeah. and things like that. I love like making... Yeah. Like, it's so cool when you find a cool one, you know? Mm-hmm. When you find an interesting name. We were mixing Scottish and Irish, I believe. It was... Scandinavian? S- yeah, it was like some sort of Old Norse language. Yeah, and, and Irish. I want to say Irish. Yeah, Because it was like yes. Fetter. Yeah, yeah, and all yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Fetterdale, all that kind of stuff. Fetterdale. Uh, but one thing to say is that... Which, we're not language buffs or whatever. Mm. But in like mixing and matching and stuff... Different languages use different intonation patterns and all that kind of stuff. So make sure that even if you're mixing and matching prefixes and suffixes and stuff, that you are creating something that also just like has its own. Yeah. Because otherwise, it it sounds really weird and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are common sayings, idioms, insults? Um, the untranslatable words that only a certain group of people would understand. Mm-hmm. Um, Another example is like. The entire German, German language. <laughs> they have so many words that have meanings that we can only describe with full yeah, sentences. Like it in loosely English. translates in English to yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, so anything like that. Also, you know, even if everyone speaks kind of this common language or whatever, because mm-hmm. that's just easiest for the thing you're working on. Are there you know other phrases and stuff that people may say in different languages, like on Earth? Mm-hmm. Um, we live in Hawaii, so people. A lot of people say Hawaiian words. Mm-hmm. Aloha, oh, mahalo, mahalo, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, also, a lot of Japanese people here, so a lot of people also say Japanese phrases. Yeah. Konnichiwa, arigato, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, also, a lot of people here love anime. So <laughs> um, Weebs. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we say things like from French, like, bon appetit, you know? like Yeah. Exactly. Of course, we like, American, Americafy it, you know, like, bon appetit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, like... Bon do, do cultures who have a specific language, do they pull, like, phrases and things like that yeah. from other languages? Which is And do totally, they adapt it to their own yeah, language? Yeah, which is totally how Earth yeah. works. Um, and if you're someone who basically only, like, only speaks English like us, mm-hmm. um, just English is a really good example. Look at different words in English yeah. that are not super taken from certain things. And also, in your world, if you come across a dwarf or whatever, they're going to be speaking common, but they may say an exclamation, an insult... In Dwarvish, yeah. Um, in the Hobbit films, there's a great moment where uh, Thorin is getting questioned <laughs> by Thranduil, which is the Elven King, and they're just talking in English, 
uh, like the common tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's like, "You can go You and all your kin," uh, which is a dwarvish term, which means. Uh, no, actually, you have to go figure that out. Uh, <laughs> you're going to go figure that out, and that's your homework assignment. But it's so fun to make up these phrases, and mm. it adds to the color and diversity and, like, complexity mm. of your world. Mm-hmm. To have these phrases, perhaps from a different language it is in the common language, or perhaps it's, like, a specific phrase that means this specific thing. To have catchphrases and idioms and things like that is so mm-hmm. cool to me. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay, even just beyond different languages, what are common sayings mm-hmm. in a language. Um, this is actually enhances world building times a million. Mm. This is what I've discovered. Going back to Brandon Sanderson, the god himself. Um, I've been reading lots of his books recently. Um, and one of the main things he does is he has people say phrases, usually curses, that fit in that world. Mm-hmm. Perfect example. Mistborn. And the Mistborn, in the first book at least. Actually, I mean, kind of... Th- anyway, the there's the king of the whole empire. The Lord Ruler. He is, like, basically the god. He's really powerful. And he has a whole church around him. So he's basically yeah. god. And people swear on gods. So in those books, people go, Lord Ruler. Like, as a curse. Mm-hmm. And other things. Yeah, it just, like, are based on... It's just... Yeah. And it's so b- good because it's something that's familiar to us, you know, to have these phrases that people know about that, like, refer to things in our culture or things we know about or things that we like or dislike, these phrases that are ingrained in our culture and, like, swears. It just adds so much color in- to, like, the black and white world they might have in your head. Mm-hmm. To have these things that are realistic... Mm-hmm. And draw the reader in, yeah. make the reader feel like it's they're more of an actual person yeah, in yeah. that world. Yeah, it, it it's really it's it's hard it's it really just does influence. Mm-hmm. It enhances the world building just so much. Okay, we gotta move on. We have so, <laughs> oh my gosh, we have so much more to talk about, and we're almost in an hour. Okay, uh, accents. What does an accent say about a person? Uh, not only like place of origin, but also like. Level of education. Mm, mm. Growing up on the streets, they may have slang. Yeah. Like, within a certain language, there are going to be different accents. Good example of this is, like, England, you know? I think a couple hundred years ago, it was Cockney. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a higher, more posh it British posh, accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, for some reason, like, all the elves always have posh British accents, and all the orcs always have Cockney accents. Can someone please explain that to me? Um, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's so true. I think it's something that's ingrained in our culture, just to think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, probably just because of Lord of the Rings movies. Okay, leadership. Mm. I actually don't even know if we can get to this. Honestly, at this, we've, we're, it, it's, we've been recording for 52 minutes. Okay, you know what? We're not going to talk about <laughs> politics, because this is like a... Yeah. Me- politics, politics is a big one. We okay. have to wait for our next episode for that one. <laughs> oh, boy. We have... Sh- Okay, yeah. So, like, you can see, there's so many things to talk about in culture. Um, okay. Real quick. We're, we're going to do this at the end of every world building episode because it's it's very important. Mm. What is the number one world building question? How does this affect the other aspects of my world? How does this change that I make? How does this addition that I add? How does it change and affect the life, the physical world... Everything 
of the things that you've already established. How do things affect each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and this ties very much into what we're talking about mm-hmm. here. Yes. We're, we're talking about the whole episode. Religion. How does this belief system affect how people act? The boundaries of nation, like it can. Yes. Economies. Yeah. You know, like uh, politics in your house has a like, effect. Mm, mm. The common household, schools, education. Yeah. How does everything this affect other other places? Like, mm-hmm. if if we take this kind of culture example, we take. Let's just say we have this. I want to put. I have this. I have my map. And I want to put a, a nation or a city right here. Mm-hmm. Where it is affects the aspects of that culture and stuff. Yes. Is it in the north and the mountains? Therefore, it's going to be based on the warmth. They're probably going to be like hunter kind of people who collect pelts and... Yeah. When after resources do you have heat for that nation yeah. now that you've put it in this specific place? Is it yeah in the mountains yeah. where there's scrounging for food and hunting animals is it by the sea where they're fishing and yeah how does that affect the culture of that area oh boy there's so many things to talk (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude there's so many but i'm so excited because all these things can hopefully you've gotten ideas sparked and stuff for your own and something i want to add on to the end of this episode and all the other world building episodes going forward is figuring out what matters the most for what you're trying to do what matters the most in your culture that you're, that you're trying to build? Is it their religion? Is it their general base philosophy? Is it mm-hmm. their politics? Their money? Figure out what matters the most in the context of your world, your culture, your kingdom, your city, your town, your house that you're trying to build. Mm. Figure out if you want to have a world that is this way. What are the important things to make it that? If I want a world that is struggling with wars and racism on all on all mm. sides, what are the important things for me to establish in mm-hmm. that world? Mm-hmm. And where should I devote the most time to? Yeah, that's yeah, that's really important. Um, okay, any final thoughts? <laughs> any any anything else? I mean, we've said so much. We have. Oh, You're probably sick of us by now. <laughs> I already want to do the next one because I'm just thinking of other things now that we can talk about. We have so much more to talk about in culture, such as customs and food and fashion, architecture, yes. all that kind of stuff. I think, to look forward to. I think what we were going to talk about today, which was leadership and human rights and kind of stuff like that. I think we're going to move that to more of a settlements-based ep- uh, episode that has separated from culture that has to do with uh, government economy, mm. something like that. That has to do with more like the city or whatever. Um, I think that's, that's a little separated from culture. So, other aspects of culture, food, all that kind of stuff, we'll talk about next, uh, part two, and then I think we'll get into government economy, so that has to do with, like, settlements. All right. Okay, guys, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Yep. Sorry for the week break and the week I was missing. Getting back on it here. We're getting back on it here. We have so many cool things we want to do for the rest of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, other bonus episodes and stuff we're working on. Yes. Um, once again, if you want to keep up with us, follow us on Instagram at d20 underscore academy. Join the yes. Discord. Also, if you can get in contact with us through the Discord and d20 academy, uh, we want to know your opinion. Uh, would you guys like to hear an actual play? 
uh, a week, uh, a monthly, probably mm. not weekly. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know how. A bit how, ambitious. I, I don't know how frequently we can get this, but an actual play of some sort of RPG uh, for us to record our sessions and stuff. Yes. That's something that you're interested in. Um, probably we couldn't do our main uh, main ones that we do on Sunday. Um, but I, I, if there's a great uh, game called Iron Sworn, mm -hmm. it's a RPG that doesn't require a GM. Um, so me and Gabe could we've played that multiple times before. It's really cool. Would you like to see something like that? Yeah. Um, an actual play series become a part of D20 Academy. Us kind of putting to work the things that we're talking about, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, I think it'd be a really great idea. Give us some feedback. And as always, in the Discord server, we have channels set up for feedback and suggestions and questions about yeah. the podcast, about RPGs, about D&D in specific, yeah. storytelling and all of that. We've got places for you to ask questions there if you ever have anything. Also, we do want to, uh, speaking of actual plays, uh, maybe do games in the Discord? Yeah, we're thinking about that as an idea to have an occasional game that we run with people who were in the Discord and want to participate. Yeah. Okay, so thanks so much for listening. Next episode, player characters. We're going to be talking about backstories and role-playing and... Yeah, all the things you need PC. to know to be a PC. Yeah, that, I'm really excited for that one. Um, I don't have a ton of knowledge on that, so I'm glad Gabe is here, who's been playing for years. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited for that one. That's going to be next week's episode. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And don't play Mystic. No. <laughs> <laughs>